Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Broncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival. I am the Broncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host, Peter Englert, Director of Adult Ministries at Broncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today's guest is Jason Romano, podcast host for Sports Spectrum, and today we are talking about why is forgiveness so difficult? Peter and John. Wow. Uh, yeah, this, I think, is a question that even this week, as we record this podcast, uh, you're, you're going to be listening to this a little later, but this week, this question has gone viral across our, our whole culture, really. Um, the trial of a female police officer who shot an unarmed black man in his own home um, because she thought it was her home. And the brother of that man who was killed just in an unkind of believable way, forgiving that police officer and then offering a hug in the courtroom setting that just went viral. It was like something that you couldn't explain in uh, the conversation just abounded after uh, about all sorts of things because of this one moment of forgiveness. I think it's so rare in our culture right now. I think we're caught up in bitterness. And so this idea that we're talking about forgiveness, um, it's so applicable and it's so needed in our culture. Peter, what do you think about this? John, I had no idea you were going to start there. Really? So, <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, cool. We just got I, like right into it. Yeah. But, I love, I love know, surprises. There we you go. Know, but just kind of walking through that and I'm interested, you know, I'll introduce our guests, but I think the reason why that, um, that circumstance is so difficult is there are people that are asking for the justice side mm -hmm. of that. And there are people seeing the forgiveness side yeah. and, and, and again, I, I don't think that the gospel of Jesus calls us to choose, mm. but I mean, again, I think that there's layers to forgiveness and there's complications and things like that. And so that's such a great example. And I think about our guest today, Jason Romano, um, you know, he wrote a book, Live to Forgive. Um, we hope all of you check that book out. But, you know, he talks about something that many of us will deal with, whether it's a family member, a friend, but a specific relationship in his life where he had to practice forgiveness. And so I do think that we talk about forgiveness on the larger level that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. But for many of us, we're struggling in forgiveness on the lower level, which mm -hmm. there are people in our life that have been difficult. Some people who are listening have been through having family members that went through addictions. And I think Jason has walked through this process in a good framework. So Jason, you know, before we get started, John John loves just to drop in like that, but why, do you, why don't you give us a little bit of background <laughs> and, um, you know, before we go and hear your forgiveness story, just share about your journey and where you are right now and how you got there. Yeah, John and uh, Peter, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, it's really an honor. Um, my journey starts and ends probably in a lot of ways with the word sports. Um, as a kid, loved sports, grew up in, uh, as upstate as where you guys are, uh, but in the Albany area and a little town called Ravina, which is, I don't know, three hours east of Rochester and two hours north of New York City. And it's funny, I was born in Penfield Memorial Hospital. I remember telling 
Peter, this. So I have a little bit of root and history in, in the Rochester area, but I moved when I was six months old. So I have no memory of, of ever living there, but sports was always the dominant uh, framework for my, for my life. I remember loving it as, as early as three, four, five years old. Um, grew up in a family with two younger brothers. Uh, parents were divorced when I was six. Uh, so really have no memory of them being together. And um, that was sort of, you know, a sort of staple in our life growing up as kids, as teenagers, um, you know, mom during the week and then dad on the weekends. Um, dad, which is a lot of what this story will be about uh, in terms of forgiveness with alcoholism. Um, it, it really started to, to take shape, I think, early seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, I remember him, you know, having some issues with that, um, not really understanding it. And uh, it just kind of periodically got worse and worse as I got older and certainly as he got older. Um, but that was kind of the journey. And then as I got older, thank you, for, thank, thankfully from my mom, uh, keeping us stable, giving us opportunities to kind of pursue things, sports being at the center of that, I, I really developed a love for sports and wanting to go into broadcasting. And that's why, uh, you know, I kind of do what I do now and did what I did for many years at ESPN um, because I was able to pursue those dreams and goals, thankfully, from my mother. And I went to college, uh, graduated, worked in local radio. Then I got the job at ESPN in uh, 2000, so 19 years ago. Uh, married to my wife, Dawn. have a daughter, Sarah, who's now 15 and in 10th grade. And um, now uh, for the last two and a half years or so, uh, been out of the ESPN world, even though I still live here in Connecticut and working in the sports ministry world um, under the umbrella of a ministry called Sports Spectrum and Pro Athletes Outreach. And I do this podcast and, and speak and I have this book and been able to travel and really do some cool things and watch God do amazing things in my life. So I hope that kind of paints a broad stroke for you to start. <laughs> no, it really does. And um you know, so before we get into your forgiveness story, you know, there's been uh, so people use this phrase, you know, time heals everything. I guess what I'm interested in, you wrote a book about it. And, yeah. you know, I think we'd be fooling ourselves to think that there aren't triggers and things like that. Can you tell me the process of forgiveness where you are now versus where you are before and maybe some of the lies about that? I'm just curious how you might respond to that. The process of forgiveness now, I think now um, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't still struggle with it um, and not specifically with the story that's in the book of me forgiving my dad. I just think from a human perspective, when someone hurts us, we get upset, we get angry. In some cases we get bitter. Um, and I don't care if you're a believer or not, if you've been walking with the Lord for five minutes or five years or five decades, we all struggle, I think, when we get hurt. Um, I have a story that I may share, I may not share, depending on how this conversation goes, with uh, some bitterness that I've struggled with recently with, with, a, with a friend of mine. And so I think where I am now, I think I understand it certainly a lot better. Um, when you write a book about this topic, you do a lot of research and you do a lot of self, um, self-examination, uh, examining, you do... Um, you know, a lot of rec recalling and, and kind of looking back at some of those times when you couldn't forgive or wouldn't forgive and the bitterness that you really held on to for many years. So I think I understand it now. I recognize it. I think a lot of people don't even realize that they still struggle or that they haven't forgiven someone. They think they have, 
mm-hmm. but they haven't. And for many years, I think if you had asked me about the situation specifically with my father, I would have told you, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've forgiven him. But when I looked back, it was clear that I hadn't. Um, the process now is for me is understanding it a lot better than I did when I was going through it. Honestly, I never even thought about forgiveness for many years. It was just kind of, you know, it wasn't even there. And, uh, it wasn't until six years ago now with my father where I, I chose to forgive him. And I, I understand now the power of forgiveness and what that can do to a person's life. Wow. Can, can we establish kind of a, uh, baseline here a little bit because I think when when we throw around the word forgiveness some of us conjure up different images in our mind so when you specifically talk about forgiveness what does that mean to you like how would you define that um you know I think the most popular phrase in our culture is forgive and forget right I mean does it mean we just sweep things under the rug what what are we talking about when we talk about forgiveness yeah, I, I don't believe in the forgive and forget model. I think oh, there's only one person that we can we can definitely say forgets in the sense of what that might mean, and that's God, um, because of what scriptures say about you know casting it into the sea of forgetfulness and never having to worry about um, you know thinking about those things that are in the past. Once they're in the past, they're in the past. But we're humans; we're not God. And so as humans, um, we never forget. I, I would not have written a book, uh, 160 pages or 170 pages about forgiveness if I had forgotten once I had forgiven my dad. So I don't believe forgive and forget. Um, we never forget, but where, um, I always say this too, where reconciliation and maybe, um, forgetting isn't, uh, always possible forgiving is. And so you asked the definition and I've been thinking about this because I don't even think I read through my book a couple times recently. I don't think I ever defined specifically what the definition of forgiveness is. I just kind of went through my journey and explained the processes of how I kind of came to a place of forgiving. But I guess I'll start with stealing a quote from Lewis Smedes, who's an author and theologian. And I have this quote in my book. Um, and I share it a lot when I speak and talk about this topic to different audiences. He says to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner is you. Mm. And so to me, that's the very definition of forgiveness because when we forgive so many people, including myself for many years thought that it was about the other person because we're forgiving someone else, but truly when we forgive someone else, we're the ones that are truly experiencing, I know I'm saying truly a lot, but we're experiencing freedom. Mm. Um, because when we don't forgive, we're stuck in bondage. We're stuck in this poison that's inside of us. And it's allowing, it's almost like being wrapped in chains. And so my definition of forgiveness in a lot of ways is, uh, setting a prisoner free and in many ways, in most ways, if not always, that prisoner is ourselves. I do want to get to your dad's story, but you, you drop this in. Um, what's this recent story about bitterness that, uh, that you want to share with us? I don't even know if I want to share it, to be honest with you, but <laughs> I've been thinking about it. It's been on my heart for, for, I don't know how long it's been. Okay. I'll give you the, the cliff notes version. I'm not going to say the name for, for, to protect my friend's purpose name here. Cause I haven't talked to him about, um, sharing this story, but I will say there's something that happened a couple years ago with a friend of mine who I've been friends with for 
probably 10 years prior to that. So a pretty long relationship, someone from, from, uh, the church world, you know, so I considered him a brother in Christ. And, um, there was a moment where I had wanted to work with him within a ministry in our church to, um, to help build up a ministry that was kind of there, but I wanted to kind of help take it to the, to the next level. And, um, you know, sometimes my personality can be a little dominating. Uh, I like to get in and get dirty and do things. I'm a, I'm type A and I, I definitely am an extrovert. I'm not an introvert. And, uh, and he's quite the opposite. And so I thought we would work well. And I came in and I, I realized now that I look back that I may have just sort of taken over or taken control of it a little too much. Didn't work hand in hand with the person. Um, but that person responded in a way that I wouldn't have responded. I, at least I don't think I would have in, in that is where he, it w- it was never revealed to me that I had done this wrong, um, in sort of, um, snatching up his ministry, which I think is what happened here. And I, I, um, I didn't see the hurt and the pain that I caused him, but instead of him sharing that with me, just kind of, he kind of, um, kept that to himself. And in many ways we didn't have a, we haven't had a serious conversation or spent any real time together for in two and a half years. And so the relationship has really taken an effect on that. And, uh, I've been saddened by that. Um, and I've also struggled with pride, I think to walk over to his house or share with him an apology. Um, because I kept thinking I didn't do anything that, um, that deserved an apology. I didn't even know that if I did anything that deserved an apology, I still haven't been told to this day that I've done anything that hurt him, but it's clear, um, that our relationship is, is on the brink. I mean, it's on the fence and it's really not existent right now. And it makes for very awkward moments in church and very awkward moments in any kind of setting that we are, we find ourselves in. And, uh, I've been real saddened by it, to be honest with you. And it's been heavy on my heart, especially these last few months. And, um, to the point where I know that I've done something wrong to hurt him, but it's still awkward to, for me to kind of try to find the right time and place to tell him, you know, I don't want to pull him aside in church and just make this a big thing in church. I'm trying to find time in person and I haven't been able to do that. And, and yet there's the pride in me that says, um, I, I don't need to apologize for something that I don't think I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the sort of, I mean, that's a little bit of the story. I, I could go deeper, but I pray I'm probably not ready to do that quite yet, but that just gives you an idea that even this guy who wrote this book on forgiveness and people are calling, you know, Oh, he knows everything about forgiveness. Well, yeah, I know everything about it because I still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so does everybody else. I think we all do. And, uh, just because I've written a book on forgiveness doesn't mean I have trouble. I don't have trouble forgiving others. And this is one where I'm having trouble asking for forgiveness because I don't think I did anything wrong. And I'm also having trouble forgiving because I was to end a relationship that I had invested 10 years in. And so I'm personally hurt by that too. So there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let me, let me ask you this. How do you know with forgiveness or reconciliation, just even thinking about what you just said in that circumstance, how do you know yeah. um, that you're procrastinating the conversation you're supposed to have 
or you're prudent by waiting for the right timing? You know, what does that look like? Because I'm sure some of our listeners are dealing with that. You know, I'm a type A. I think you're a type A. Um, and I can yeah. see myself like we need to have this conversation right now where probably the best thing to do is give it a little time. And then there's other times where just even what you said, I really want to have this conversation, but there's things in the way. What's the difference between procrastination and prudence when it comes to that? It's such a, it's such a fine line because Peter, I mean, when we, when, I, if I had known at that moment in the, in the months or two after that took place that I had done something, even if I didn't think I had done it, I, I would have apologized right away. I think I would have nailed this, uh, in the ground right away. I would not have let this festered for two and a half years, especially knowing that the relationship was, um, was going to just sell, you know, destruct in the way that it has, you know, and, and, and fall apart. Uh, I would have gotten rid of that and done with that quickly. But at the same time, now that it's festered and it's probably been a year that this has been on my heart, which is really sad to say, um, and I still put it off because there is an absolute awkwardness that a lot of us struggle with to actually sit face to face with someone and have a conversation about real issues. A lot of us struggle with that within our own marriages mm -hmm. that we, we, we go through the day to day and we have life hit and happen and things go on. And yet, you know, something's going on and you want to bring it up and you want to talk about it, but then, you know, it's like, eh, this might just make things worse. I'd rather not deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a chapter in my book called boxes in the attic and, uh, it references these feelings, these past hurts, these memories, most of them not so good that I had. And I would put them in this proverbial box and store it away in an attic and never have to and feel like I never had to bring it back out. And right now with my friend, I feel like that's what this is. I have these thoughts and these things and it's in this box, it's in this attic. And I tried to store it away and go on with the rest of my life. And yet it's a box in the attic. So it's still there. And eventually you have to pull it out and open it up and see what's inside of it. Mm. And, um, the sooner you can do that, the better. I'm certainly learning that now. I still haven't done it. And, uh, I'm, I've literally been thinking about this Peter and John for the last 36 hours every moment of how am how can I do this and just get it done with and, and, and understand that for me again, cause forgiveness is for me, right? Getting this out is for me. If I talk to him, if he doesn't respond well, if he doesn't receive it, if, if something bad happens from it, then at least it's out and I've gotten it out there. Um, in many ways that was what happened with my dad. I finally just said, I forgive you dad, um, at his lowest point, And I, it just felt right to get it out. And then how that, whatever happened going forward from that moment was, you know, the forgiveness was laid out because forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's about, it's not about what they deserve. It's about yourself because I am in many ways, I guess, you know, living that own bondage trap that I've talked about and preached for two years now, um, just in a different type of way. And certainly with someone that I wasn't as close to as my father, but I'm kind of struggling with that. And so that's a fine line, man. It really is because once we procrastinate and try to put something off, it, that box in the attic, it's sealed up even more. It's mm. literally just a box at first. And then suddenly all these other things in the attic, I'm using a really terrible metaphor here, but you might put it right behind all these things and you don't even see it anymore. 
and it's almost non-existent, but it's still there. And then when you pull it out, it makes it so much harder to open up because it's been sealed and put away. And just the longer you put this off on forgiving someone else, the, 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 Mm. pause Jason can you say that last line we we lost it in Skype and then unpause sure which which part (laughs) (laughs) the longer you put this off I think you said okay I can do that here we go the longer you put forgiving someone off the more you procrastinate it the harder it gets to actually come to a point where you can actually do it it's it's very 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 difficult if you keep putting it off, that's why I always feel like if you're hurt, address it right away, address it. Cause the more you let it fester, the harder it becomes to actually have to pull that box out and deal with it. You know, I love listening to it. Cause I feel like this is something new. Um, I do want to just give, um, give you a few moments to share about the forgiveness journey with your dad. Cause as many listeners know you, I'm sure that there's some that haven't met you. So you know, just give us, you know, as you'd said, the Cliff Notes version of your dad and how that kind of came to be with your forgiveness journey. So the relationship with my dad is, I always say it's um, confusing, complicated, uh, so many different words, especially at my younger age of trying to understand what was happening. Um, He was around, but he wasn't present. The alcohol was a big reason for that, if not the biggest reason for that. Um, he chose the bottle over his family uh, for many years. Um, that choice of alcohol eventually turning into the disease of alcoholism um, led to two divorces. It led to uh, di- broken relationships with me and my two brothers, his three boys. And uh, for many years, uh, I just kind of dealt with it. It was there. Uh, it was something that I didn't, um, I didn't have a lot of, I guess the best way to say it was when my dad was sober, we got along when he was drunk, I was angry and bitter and hated him to be quite honest for the choices that he had made. And that festered for many, many, many years into my twenties, into my thirties and into my early forties. Um, but I had a life to live. So during my 20s, I got the job at ESPN. I got married. Uh, When I was 30, my daughter was born. And, you know, I had a life to live. I wanted to do and be the best dad that I could be because I didn't have a dad. Uh, That was the best that he could have been. Um, So those years in my 20s and 30s really were years to um, grow and develop as a man myself without the guidance of a man who could show me how to do that in my dad. Um, my dad lived a roller coaster life, as, as I say, of sober and drunk and sober and drunk and sober and drunk. And um, through that, you know, I developed a very large amount of anger towards him and bitterness, um, screaming, yelling, um, times where I wouldn't talk to him for six months to a year, uh, you know, holding grudges in many ways towards him for a lot of the pain that he had caused verbally, never physically, but verbally causing a lot of pain, a lot of verbal abuse with myself, with my, my brothers, you know, my extended family, my grandparents, certainly my mom. So that's where the, the, the the bitterness came from all of that and why it was such a struggle. Um, and in many ways, why I kind of thought 
See, I thought that I had forgiven my dad when I allowed him back into my life. Mm. But every single time he drank and was drunk and he would call me, I would lash right back out at him and scream at him and yell at him and want him to feel the pain that he was causing me. So now that I look back on it, it was clear I had not forgiven him. Mm. And it wasn't until his lowest moment at the at the end of his ropes, because he, he started suffering and going through a lot of depression as well as the alcoholism into his early to mid sixties, um, to the point where he almost ended his life. And, uh, thankfully he didn't, uh, and he survived, but he did try. And it was at that moment, at that breaking point for his life that I saw a man broken and started to have empathy towards him and finally was able to tell him verbally, Hey, I forgive you for, anything and everything that's happened. Don't worry about everything and anything that's happened, but I truly do forgive you. And I needed to do that for him, but I even more needed to do that for myself. Wow. I I mean, I just want to say that I appreciate your vulnerability so much, Jason. I mean, certainly you didn't have to even share your most recent story with us. And in this process, you know, you could easily just keep it theoretical and, and, you know, you know, talk about this theory and be the expert in the book, but you let us into your life. And I just really want to say that I appreciate that. Um, To me, that speaks of an authenticity um, in this journey, and it makes me respect you even more. Um, as mm-hmm. someone who's speaking on this subject. So I just want to, want to say that. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. It's not easy. I mean, I think the one thing I've learned over the years is the more vulnerable I've been. Uh, and certainly that's, you know, my wife is quite the opposite, um, which is interesting because she, she is very private and, um, an introvert and, you know, doesn't want to be on the stage at all. Peter's met my wife and I'm one of that likes to, you know, sort of be out there and share and talk and have conversations like this. But the vulnerability to me, it's just being, it's being honest because we're all going through something. You know, if any expert or superstar athlete or media spokesperson or author or whoever comes up there and says they got it all figured out and here's what you need to do to have it all figured out, they're lying. They just are. I'm sorry because nobody has it all figured out. God has it figured out. Um, we're just trying to do life together and that's why we need each other. That's why I believe so strongly in vulnerability and transparency because by hopefully me sharing this, somebody else is listening and saying, yep, I'm going through this too. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. So it can help someone else. And I appreciate listening to other people who are vulnerable and transparent because it helps me. Right. And so thank you for that, John. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder if there might be some things even through your journey with your dad that we could learn from as well. You know, it makes me think of, you know, what you're going through now, but even your journey with your dad. Like, what are some of the points that you realized? I, you talked about kind of alluding to you thought you'd forgiven him, but you realized you really didn't. What was the mm-hmm. difference between the two? Like, what was it that you realized in the moment of like, man, now I need, I realize I need to do this in order to say I've truly forgiven him. Is there I think something it's, there? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, which I reference. I, I sign my books with it. I, I try to live by it. And Paul's talking about letting all bitterness and anger and wrath be put away from you along with malice. And then verse 32, it says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, It also says, be kind to one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think for me, the difference was that part. Um, I had never let that bitterness and anger and wrath be put away from me 
in the essence of what my dad was going through and putting us through, which really is selfish to say that because my dad wasn't exactly living his greatest life and he was putting himself through this mess just as much as he was putting it through us. Um, but I didn't, I couldn't let go of that bitterness and anger and wrath that, that Paul talks about in Ephesians. So I talked about, I thought I had forgiven him because this, all of this is taking place after my, my faith in Christ has, has taken place. Mm. Uh, I was 26, almost 27 when I, I was 27 and actually almost 28 when I got saved, when I began this walk with God. And so even after becoming a Christian and asking God for forgiveness and understanding salvation and what the cross was about and who Jesus was and what forgiveness was about in the lens, through the lens of Jesus, I still struggled with it. And uh, like I said earlier, I, I still struggle with it to this day. The difference is, I think, the bitterness and the anger and the wrath and the clamor. I don't have a lot of bitterness towards towards anyone anymore. Um, I think that was my biggest lesson with my dad. And you know what was a big part of that, John, was empathy. Mm. Um, that was a game changer for me. Uh, I didn't have a lot of empathy for my dad. I just worried about what he was doing to me, mm. you know, how I felt, what, what the pain that I was going through was. And, you know, to me, empathy is about seeing it from the other person's point of view, right? And uh, finally, I had come to the point where I saw my dad in his worst state, and I started to have empathy for this man that I never had empathy for mm -hmm. in my life in the past. And that changed everything for me. So now, even in the midst of what I'm going through right now with my buddy, I do have empathy, and I see it from his perspective. Uh, I haven't taken the steps to actually sit down and, and, and talk about it and have this forgiveness conversation with him, but I'm not bitter. I'm not anger, angry at him. I mean, sometimes the bitterness comes up, but I'm not holding bitterness towards him. Um, because I just don't, I, I just have empathy. I think when you have empathy for people, you cannot hold bitterness inside of you anymore. That's just my opinion. Um, that was the big game changer for me. So as we uh, as we kind of wrap this up, I, I'm I'm wondering about the person. So you know, we have people that probably don't attend church, or you know, maybe are in the process of you know finding Jesus, and they have a lot of questions, and that's why they're listening to this podcast. And you know, I'd be lying to say that people from church Christians have have just nailed it, you know, whether it's forgiveness, <laughs> unforgiveness. And uh, so I'm out there, I'm bitter and I'm hurt. I'm probably dealing with unforgiveness. Why should I pursue Jesus with all of these letdowns around me? Um, well, first of all, because I believe he says that he's the way, the truth and the life. Um, so, you know, I, have made it my calling really in the last three years. And even when I was at ESPN to tell people about the saving grace that's found in Christ and, um, the hope that's found in Christ and the understanding that your life may not get better, but man, you have abundant life when you're walking with Jesus, when you invite him into your life. And, um, when he says that in John 14, he came as the way, as the truth and as the life. No one can come to the father except through him. And so there's this aspect of eternity that's at stake here too. And uh, that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently too, is this urgency to tell people about the gospel and who Jesus is and understanding that 
he's there's a lot of exclusivity when it comes to Jesus. And we live in a sort of you do you, I'll do me world of everybody can kind of live the way they want. Um, but that stems through forgiveness too. And so following Jesus to me, he knows um, what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to be beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was called all of these names. You know, the, the religious leaders um, wanted to stone him, um, you know, called him a crazy nut job. I mean, they were, he knows what it's like to go through being hurt. And yet he's sitting on a cross about to die and looking at the Roman soldiers who put him up there and says, father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. So Jesus to me exudes forgiveness. He lived it and understand. So for us, I think when we choose to follow Christ, when we begin a relationship with him, we begin to take on his nature, right? The righteousness of God, we become Christ-like. And through that, we understand forgiveness It is a process and it takes a long time, I think for some people more than others, especially for me. But we begin to see as we are Christ-like, how to live towards loving others, serving others, but even more importantly, forgiving others mm. for the wrongs that have been committed because Jesus had every right to hold grudges. He was the son of God. He was the, he was God in flesh, right? And he had every right to hold grudges towards people. And yet he's forgiving every single, he says it in Matthew 18, forgive 70 times seven. And he means every single time in the parable of the unforgiving debtor. So the reason you're at your question is why follow Jesus? Well, listen, he's the example of forgiveness. You know, there's levels. Why follow Jesus? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. But if you're talking about this from a forgiveness perspective and you come to this Jesus every single morning asking for forgiveness because of the dumb things that we've thought about or said or, 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 or lived out in the wrong way, then he understands and he knows. And because he understands and he knows, that's to me why you would want to follow him and, and put your faith and trust in him because he understands what you're going through and how hard and how difficult it is. Wow. I, I also think of the people who are listening to this and they maybe are in a you know similar situation to what you're, you're describing with, with your friend right now. And they're going... Okay, yeah. I realize I got to do this. Uh, it, it's it in many ways this totally bites. I don't want to do it, but I realize I got to do this. What first step would you would you tell them to take in general? Like, what's what's a step? You know, sometimes that first step is the toughest. What what step yeah. would you encourage them to take toward forgiveness? Well. In the book, there, it lays out sort of four steps. We don't really call them steps, but four ways to, to do this. The first one is to recognize <laughs> that, you, you know, that there is an issue going on. Mm. Um, you know, recognition is important, I think, and it's not necessarily a step, mm. but it's, you know, that's what I'm realizing over these last few months, even the last year, is I've recognized that there's an issue here. Something's not right, and, uh, and what am I going to do with that? Right. Um, the second one is evaluating the trauma, really kind of looking introspectively and, and outside to what's going on here. What's the pain that was caused and what's the pain that it's, it's causing you? Um, transformation is really, I think, the, the step that 
you start to enter to a place of wanting to forgive. You know, when you're transformed from the inside out, you know, Romans talks about that transformation, that transforming of the mind, something happens and you, you go from this and just thinking about it and talking about it to actually doing something about it. And, um, and what that requires eventually is to have a conversation to say, I forgive you, um, and not to hold that grudge. And that's important to say that. Um, I want to be clear on something as we close here too, John uh, and Peter, forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we paint this picture that when I'm forgiving someone, everything's fine. I forgive you too. Oh, come here, give me a hug. We're all better and everything's great. But sometimes the damage is just too, Mm. it's just too much. Um, There are relationships where someone has done some very terrible things to another person. And so reconciliation is not possible in those situations. In fact, it's encouraged not to reconcile. You know, you have to build boundaries and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and keep separation properly, but where reconciliation isn't always possible. And Jesus talks about this and I just mentioned it. Forgiveness is not just possible. It's required every single time. Mm -hmm. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Jesus says every single time we've been hurt, we are to forgive. And so I think understanding and recognizing that, that it's not, if you are a follower of Christ, it's not an option. And again, that doesn't mean we're not going to respond that way. I mean, we all struggle. I'm struggling right now. But when you look at scripture and when you look at who Jesus was, he doesn't sugarcoat this. Mm-hmm. This is not an option. This is something we are all required to do every single time someone hurts us. I never said it was easy. I don't think Jesus said it was easy either, but it's required if you're a follower of Christ to forgive. And uh, when we don't, we're in essence putting a hand to God and saying, I got this. I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need you. And I don't need to hear what you're saying. Um, It's, and again, that goes back to why we need forgiveness from God ourselves every day, because we sin against him in ways we probably don't even realize sometimes. So we usually end on a final question, but um, the question is, what does Jesus have to do with this question? I feel like Mm -hmm. you've handled that really well for us. Um, I would actually like us to go a different direction. John, is it okay for me to call Audible? Hey, I I did something crazy in the beginning, so feel free to do uh, something crazy (laughs) in the end. Go for it. That's great. So so first of all, this this podcast is actually going to air on Thanksgiving Day. Um, is that right? Okay. So, um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday, yeah. by the way. Oh, your favorite holiday. So I, so I asked this question knowing that probably some of you, you're listening to this spending time with family, but I also think we'd be remiss to not ask Jason this question. Um, and there's no easy way to make this transition, but we are in Buffalo Bills country and the Bills mm-hmm. play the Cowboys, which are your favorite team. And so yes. I, right. I guess um, maybe instead of the three of us answering the question, what Jesus has to do with this, hopefully it's not sacrilegious. I think all three of us should answer the question, what do we think is going to happen today with the Bills and the Cowboys? Is that all right, Jason? I mean, it's fine, but I'm, I'm probably giving it away. But we're taping this a few weeks before. And, uh, I can give you what I think is going to happen based upon the day that we're taping this interview. 
it could be a lot worse by the time Thanksgiving rolls <laughs> over. <laughs> so if I, you can ask it, and if I give you an answer today, we have to preface that this, a lot of things may have changed between now and Thanksgiving Day, but you can ask it if you'd like. Sure. Well, you know what? How about this? So our process is, you know, we'll start and then you clean up. And uh, you can also talk about forgiveness. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm a Jets fan. Don't hold it against me. And yeah. I just, I I know the Bills are winning. I just don't trust the turnovers. And for some of you, you're like, why didn't we? Why are we talking about sports? I mean, he's from Sports Spectrum, and John's a huge Bills fan. I think at the end of the day, no matter what, in the next few weeks, uh, I think the Bills win. 17 to 16. That's my guess. Low scoring defensive game. Wow. Wow. This this really does. This is doing a number to my mind. So if I did a number to your mind in the beginning of the podcast, you you found a way to do a number to my mind in this one. So anyway, <laughs> I was I was totally tracking with Jason just thinking about the the repercussions of the gospel and you've gone and turned it into the bills so here we go all right but isn't that a place that you need it the most <laughs> it is lord knows and i've got some stories on that one jason uh that Uh-oh. i've used in sermon illustrations before but anyway uh my son and i were just going over the bill schedule yesterday uh my son is a patriots fan and so this is uh causes a lot That's of too bad yeah it causes some That's pain in our bad. family uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, we're working toward forgiving each other. So it's a beautiful thing. And, That's uh, good. yeah, we were going over the bill schedule yesterday. He thought that the bills were going to be, uh, he says 12 and four over the course of this year. I am far less, uh, gracious to the Buffalo bills than that. I, and this was actually one that I circled on the calendar to him and said, they're not winning that one. I said, they're not going to get by the Cowboys. So, um, I think it's Cowboys. It's Cowboys at home on Thanksgiving. I'm going 24 to 10 Cowboys. So, Jason, we're not going to hold you to this, but you definitely have a lot of thoughts and we want to give you room to talk about those thoughts. So, well, I mean, we could go back to 1980, my earliest memory of the Dallas Cowboys at seven years old, and they beat the Seattle Seahawks 51 to seven on Thanksgiving Day. I'll never forget it. And uh, uh, my brother fell. We were playing football in the living room and he and he and he hit his head on the corner of a chair and ended up getting like 15 stitches under his eye. Um, I, I'd rather talk about the past Super Bowl memories, uh, for, or, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving Day memories for the Cowboys, but it's weird playing Buffalo. First of all, I don't think the Cowboys have ever played Buffalo in a, in a national, I guess that's not true. They were on a Monday night game about 10 years ago and played the bills when Tony Romo was still quarterback and won a game they should not have won. Uh, but it Jason, was a great win. Jason, I got to stop you for a second. I watched yeah. that game with Bills fans, and all three of them turned to me after they took that big lead, and they said, we're going to lose this game <laughs> right after the, that oh, wow. last okay. touchdown. So anyways, keep going. Good. Well, I was going to say that's good because I know Bills fans. Right? Listen, I, I've known a lot of Bills fans. I know a few Bills players, former players, and they have the best fans. Let me just say that. They are as loyal and as devoted to their team and as optimistic over their team as any team in the league. Um, and they do it with, with a, a little bit of a class, more classier way than some of these other loyal, devoted teams like the Eagles, we'll just say publicly. <laughs> um, 
But the Eagles have won a Super Bowl, so they have that now. The yeah. Bills have never won one, and I don't think this is going to be the year either. Uh, as much as I, I actually like watching the Bills, I think they're a lot of fun. Um, I think they have some good young talent, and uh, their quarterback, Josh Allen, is pretty good. Uh, but Dallas doesn't usually lose at home on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, coming home after it's a short week, um, you know, the fans are hyped up. They're used to that setting. Uh, they did lose at home a couple of years ago to the chargers and that was a little surprising and they've had some bad, that's why it's hard to answer this question because I just don't know where they're going to be. I think they will be in the mix. Um, they won their first three, then they lost two in a row. And I was kind of like, all right, starting to lose hope here after I got a lot of hope. And uh, the Bills actually, at this point, have a better record than the Cowboys. But I still think Dallas is going to win. I can't pick against my team. We'll say, I don't think 24 is right. I think they'll actually score more points. They have a lot of offensive weapons. Hopefully, they're all healthy on Thanksgiving. So, I'll say 31 to 20 Cowboys. You know, so just to let everyone know, this is October 7th, Monday, October 7th. I didn't know if you were going to say that. Yeah. The Cowboys at this point are three and two. The Bills, I believe, are four and one. Am yeah. I right on that? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that have to play out in between now and then uh, before we get to Thanksgiving. But I still think the Cowboys have what it takes. I do. I just get so frustrated because that game they played uh, the other day against the Packers, they just turned the ball. They, they outgained them. I'm going to the sports world here. They outgained the Packers by 300 yards and lost by 10 points. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, but turnovers in football will do that to you. And I watched your whole Bills game. I watched the Bills play the Titans, and that was as ugly and boring a game as I've ever watched, <laughs> but the Bills won. And my wife's yeah, a Titans like, fan. Yeah. I'm trying to get her excited, and I'm like, 13 to 6? What a terrible game this is to watch. <laughs> um, so they're not, they're not a pretty team necessarily, but that doesn't mean they're not good. They've just got to figure out a way to get wins every week. Jason, you know, who else could we talk about? Forgiveness, the Bills, and the Cowboys. Uh, we're so glad to have you on. That's going to be the title of the podcast, just so we, just so you know. It's going to be Forgiveness, the it. Bills, and the Cowboys. I love it. <laughs> There's two Super Bowls, but I won't touch that. Yeah, for yeah well, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. Uh, thank you so much, Jason, for being part of this. Um, if you have any questions, you can go to whygodwhypodcast.com. We are on social media. Sharing is caring. Please uh, share this on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, Review us on your podcasting app. That helps other listeners follow us. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful day. 